This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. What if I told you about a group of Levitard fans? That most of us put our kids in front of the TV for hours so we can get on the Zoom call and cut it up like a couple of benches. That we are willing to spend more on tickets to a live show than our mortgages. And have. What if I told you those fans have got the show so much they created their own? That they convinced members of the show to come on their show to talk about their show. A show about a spin-off hour from a show. What if I told you that radio show is really just a podcast now, and that the new show is a podcast, creating a podception of a show, the show about a show, within a show, riding a lazy river to nowhere, that we still hold it against Dan Stanzik for dissing Lower Ranger Juju Gotti. 4040 presents this Miami-centric show called The Local Hour has brought together a group of daddicks, Dan addicts, that almost none of the members are from Miami, but oddly kind of cheer for Miami teams now, and Australian ones too. And we are back on Lauer After Hours. This is Mike Ryan Fan Account, and thank you so much for joining us on part two with the wickedly talented Charlie Hume. Enjoy. Wait, absolutely. Great question. We're here with Charlie Hume, uh, uh, rising star at ESPN and various production companies. Charlie, what uh, what what's the name of your production company? Real quick. So the name of the production company uh, that I'm currently working for is, is Ride Home Projects. Uh, so uh, owned by a guy, started by a guy named Eric Rideholm, who came up with, like, basically he, he pitched and, and created the show PTI with, you okay. know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people know with, with Mike Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser. Uh, guy's a genius. I love so much working for him. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, uh, I, I use a little bit of the past tense there only because, uh, it looks like I'm going to end up moving in the next few months because my wife's applying to a physician assistant graduate school. And so I'm hoping to kind of create uh, something of my own and fit some kind of shows out of that uh, in the near future. So uh, 
nothing that nothing official there but but i'm you know we'll, we'll kind of see how that one goes I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm putting that out in the universe to hold myself accountable uh for when i do make this move <laughs> right on right on coach debro uh from wisconsin she's got a question about golf hey uh charlie thanks again for uh meeting with us much appreciated uh i was wondering if i have a little bit of a two-parter one if you have any superstitions or uh pre-golfing uh, routines that you have and two what is the snack protocol on a golf course Ooh, okay these are great questions i love both these questions also is this is this like uh like is your attire is this meant to be like i see a pop collar thing day. this is how you dress every day all right i like it yeah. it's a vibe i like it uh so <laughs> uh superstitions that's a good question i don't have any related to golf i do i played baseball growing up and I never touched the foul line when I pitched. You always hop over the foul line. Uh, but in terms of golf, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that I love about it is the thing you, you, you can play golf. It's one game, but you can play it two different ways. You can play it competitively like you're trying to score, or you can just drink and hang out with your friends, which is also amazing, equally fun. So a lot of the times when I'm going out to play around a golf, of course I want to score, but I, like I'll show up at the course like 10 minutes before and you know, get a good drink in your system, loosen up a little bit, take a couple swings and you're good to go. Like I, I like to putt if I can, so I can get a feel for the greens, but you don't get a swing at all the time. Uh, now, uh, in terms of snack routine on the course. So the best, the best golf drink hands down is a transfusion. And that is three parts, ginger ale, two parts, grape juice, two parts, vodka. That drink's oh. amazing. So gotta yes. have one of those, gotta have a transfusion. and then. There's a club that my grandfather's member at that they have the best turn snacks of all time. And they have basically Ritz crackers with pimento cheese as one option. And they have ginger snaps with peanut butter as the other option. And so oh. if, if I, if I'm creating a perfect golf snack, I'm like, make sure I have transfusion mix for the entire round. And then those two snacks, just a little sweet, a little salty, savory. I'm good. I like the ginger theme. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, I, uh, I I didn't realize that. As soon as I said ginger snacks, I was like, wow, I'm working a lot of ginger-related items into this answer. But yeah, yeah, if you're a ginger fan, get after it. Yeah, man. All about it. Thank you. That's where the old money comes from is big ginger. Is B, ginger lucrative? A, I, I have no idea, actually. <laughs> uh, B, big you have ginger, is that a nickname for uh, Chris Cody? <laughs> that could be a nickname, Chris Cody. Y'all know Chris Cody. I mean, you've seen him run. He's slimmer than people think he is, actually. Like Chris is Chris is a phenomenal athlete. Chris is an amazing golfer too. He's got great hand eye. He's, I have he's a theory. got that baby face. I hate like yeah. people that only listen to National and like don't know like the work he does with the Greg Cody show. I have a theory that he's a secretly an intellectual and b like you said a, a, an athlete. Like not you know hardcore athlete, but I think he gets some workouts in and just doesn't talk about it to keep the keep the yeah. facade going. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a dad. So, you know, dadding takes up quite a bit of time as I'm, as I'm sure some of you, I don't know what the dad, the dad population is on this podcast. I'm sure there's some dads out there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he is, he's a sneaky, good athlete. And, and it's, it's like, that doesn't go away. You know, you can just, you can turn it on whenever you want to. All right. We got another golf question from uh, Jeff. Jeff, you're up, man. Hey, Charlie. It's Jeff. Um, hey, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the question. When he's not on national TV competing against Peyton and Phil, what does Tom's flop shot really look like? Dude, how, how wild was that? I, like, so 
what what you're referring to, I'm sure is that you're referring to the match they played, you know, together on on uh, I guess on Turner platforms, which I love that. So, the thing I loved about that match so much was that uh, it it made golf so relatable. It was like a bunch of guys going out, terrible conditions, guys wearing two gloves, hacking it around. But then Tom Brady hits that one iron yeah. in the very way and, and puts in the hole. And it, it's like, it's like all you play bad golf. And I, I played a lot of bad golf in my life. You know that every round has one of those moments where you're like, oh yeah, I think I'll come out and play this again, even though it mentally beats me down every single time I come out here. So Tom is usually, I think about an eight, um, which to me, that's, that's really impressive given how much time it takes to be an eight handicap golfer and how little time he has because he's, he like just from what I hear to my granddad, it's like the guy's just a, an obsessive worker. Like he's just always out training, always out. You know, even now this off season, like he's he's like he's really he, he really wants to continue being great. And so uh, I think that that's kind of again, it's it's we were talking about Chris Cody being an athlete. Like it speaks to the athleticism. Like you can just kind of pick up a club. Now you go to medalist when it's driving rain and you can't grip the club, like anybody's going to play bad in those conditions. But that was very relatable golf that he played on TV. I think he's, he's much better usually. I also thought it was great. The timing on that shot was just immediately after Chuck was giving him crap too. So good. And I don't know if you watched uh, the post-match uh, deal where they played a little thing where, where Chuck played a hole with Justin Thomas coaching him down. Justin Thomas has a, I would not be surprised if Justin Thomas does more media stuff. I thought he was really, really good. He was great. He was like, he was snarky, but not too much. And he was just dead on. I thought, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Charlie, I am, uh, I'm actually down in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I'm a fellow Tar Heel. Uh, didn't go to Chapel Hill or anything, but, you know, born and raised. There you go. There you go. Uh, so uh, Price also has a, a question or a couple comments about Carolina football and basketball. Price? Yeah, what's up, Charlie? I'm, uh, I'm out here in Raleigh. Like, uh, like Christy said, we have a few North Carolina people here. Um, and I, like I said, I'm from Mississippi. So I always tell my um, – I always tell my, my people out here from North Carolina how big SEC football is. And so uh, I, I keep up with, uh, with North Carolina recruiting. So I wanted to get your, um, yeah, your take on this guy, Tony Grimes, who, uh, who just committed to UNC. And uh, Mac Brown's kind of making some waves out here. Dude, that, so that's the 2021 class, right? That's, not, that's, that's coming in next year. That class is, I think it was last I checked, was two of the nation – I'm not sure if the Grimes commitment is going to move it at all because I don't know who's one. It's someone. It's someone that's usually immovable, like a Clemson or LSU or something like that. Um, Grimes, from what I saw on social media, was Dre Bly recruited him hard, and uh, it's. I mean, I I just think what Max building. It's it's so amazing to see a guy that you thought was cooked at Texas, right? I mean, he goes and does TV, and usually that's like the kiss of death for coaches, where they stop staying plugged in and they're just kind of like, whatever, I can just make a check and just you know retire and enjoy it. Whereas he used that time to like become more relevant and kind of figure out the way he wanted to change what he was doing and has, you know, put together a program where not only can he sell the kids on, I won a national championship, I have experience, but he's also got the young guys around him, like the Dre Blys, like he's, you know, Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, Jay Bateman, the defensive coordinator, where it's, it's an easy answer for these kids. It's like, Hey, are you from North Carolina? Are you near North Carolina? And do you want to come and make the, the flagship university here, put them on a map from a football perspective? Like, that's an easy yes, especially if you're looking at Sam Howell last year as a true freshman quarterback. You have at least two more years with him, and he's only going to get better. So I I think it's, like, it's so funny because I grew up in California. My granddad went to North Carolina, 
And I, like, but so, but I, I didn't spend, I spent time here with family, but it was out in Western North Carolina and we really didn't do a ton of UNC basketball. So all my friends who grew up UNC hoops fans, uh, that's kind of like the first thing in their blood for me. The first t-shirt my granddad gave me when I got into school in Carolina was a Carolina football shirt. And that was right when we hired Butch Davis. And so that was like my first love. So to see the program, like, you know, look like it's trending back up to see players you can get excited about. Like it's, it's amazing. I, I hope, I mean, I hope we can do big things these next two seasons. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I know, uh, you probably don't like Larry Fedora, but, uh, I did, uh, I saw coach high school football out here. Uh, in North Carolina, but I did, uh, I worked for Larry Fedora at Southern Miss for three years. Yeah. I love Larry. Look, yeah. Coach Fedora, he was, he was actually a golfing buddy of my granddad's. I used to text cool. with Coach Fedora back and forth. Yeah. Really good dude. I, I think that that's a, that's a tough, it was a tough situation he got put in because, you know, just, I, I know there was a transition period between the whole scandal and stuff like that with Butch, but that still impacted his recruiting. And then, you know, maybe on the back end, you say some of the recruiting, there were holes, but he got a lot of talented guys in there that were part of this team this year that overperformed expectations. So I give a lot of credit to Coach Fedora. Yeah, man. Cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Aaron, you've got a, uh, a follow-up question about UNC. You're oh, muted, sorry. Aaron. Yeah, I got you. My bad. <laughs> wow. Um, not not Card- so much a Cardinal question. Sin. Cardinal sin of Zooming. <laughs> Greg Cody moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I am getting old. Um, so not so much a question, more of a follow up as a as an Ole Miss grad. I just want to apologize um, on the front end for uh, Phil Longo. I understand you don't see it now, but believe you me, um, before too long, you will understand what I'm saying. Man had A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf and Dawson Knox and uh, still managed I will, terrible. I will. I will not accept your Phil Longo <laughs> slander. I will not. I reject it forcefully. I mean, I, I think that I think it's you know it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in football because you, you gotta you know, and I'm I'm specifically saying collegiate offensive coordinator. And the reason I say why is because if you're a, if you're a head coach and you have a vision for a program and who you're going to recruit and you're making the final decision, you can ultimately accept responsibility either way. With the offensive coordinator, yeah, you're brought in to work for the coach, but you might have ideas about how to run the offense, but you might have this other guy telling you, no, we want to do this, we want to do this. I think what, and this again goes back to Mac, I think he's really empowered uh, Phil Longo and said, do what you want to do. And, and I think the other thing is he trusts him with the development of a young quarterback in Sam Howell. So I know it's one year, but everything I've seen, I'm like, sign me up. Like, as long as you want to stay, man, we'll give you key to the city. I, I, I thought it was a great first year. Just wait. I promise. I promise. <laughs> All right, Charlie Hume here answering questions from the uh, Lauer After Hours crew. We got a few more, uh, Charlie. Thank you so much again for your time. Yeah, uh, of course. really appreciate it. Um, I know you want to get out on your homemade links uh, and, uh, and, and get, get some uh, repetitions in. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Steve, you got a question about, uh, I believe, Charlie being in the uh, shipping container. Yeah, what's up, Charlie? How you doing, man? What's up, Steve? Good to see you, buddy. You too, man. Just I'm, I'm rocking the Brady jersey in your honor. Oh, just, uh, let's go. Let's go. I love it. So I just wanted to ask uh, if you miss sitting in the shipping container and kind of being more of an on-air personality or if you're liking now kind of being more in the production side on the back end. Uh, it's such a good question because uh, it's like, like, okay, first thing, do I miss being in the shipping container? 100%. I can't tell you how much fun that was. So when it was the old Fusion setup where it was, you know, out where the highly questionable set is where you're accustomed to seeing that backdrop where it was Dan and Stu out there 
And then Mike was also out in that area at a different sort of location that they now they, they kind of changed the floor plan out there. But the three of them were out there. And then in the container was, you know, Roy running the board. I would sit next to Roy. Billy would sit behind me. Chris to the left. And then Allison would sit in the corner. And we had so much fun in there on a daily basis. And then just like bouncing ideas off each other. And it was also, it was like a, a younger phase of my life, sort of a formative period creatively. So being around them every day was just, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things you just look back on. You're just like, it, it's a, it's a moment in time. You're never going to get it back, but you just really appreciate it. Um, so do I miss being on camera? I would say like, yes and no. And I would say that, um, that this summer has been kind of defi- helped define that for me a little bit, because I feel like, uh, like I kind of get, you know, a little burnt out when I do something every single day. Like it's hard for me to kind of like generate fresh ideas or flesh things out. You know, I just, I just, my brain works differently than that. Um, so doing like these weekly challenge podcasts or doing these, these kind of projects where you can record with the Tom Brady or Rory McElroy and have a little bit of time to kind of massage and edit and create a graphics package for it. That, that is a, it works a little better for my brain. And so I think that, um, I, uh, it's, it's been good to have chances to do that. And, and so does it mean, you know, Hey, like what, whenever you're looking at doing next, you know, maybe you have a little more staying power. If you try to pursue the route of something that's like, you're, you're there every day, you're consistent, you know, thing in people's lives. Um, maybe so, but also I just like, I, I, it would make me happier and make me more fulfilled to do something that's more infrequent and, and where I can do both things, the creative and the honor stuff, you know, if there's a chance to do that. Um, so that's kind of what I've learned in the last few years and through the Levitar experience. Sure, you're also you seem to be kind of like an outdoorsy guy, so I'm sure you appreciate not being stuck in that uh, container because it's even smaller than people say it is. It's ridiculous. It's tiny, and, and it's you know it's funny because there there was a place. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, all of Miami is, is beautiful, so it's not you're only in there for a couple hours. But there was a golf course down there on Biscayne Bay. It was called Brandon Park, one of the hardest public courses. And if if anyone here is from South Florida and plays golf, go play Crandon Park because there's water on 15 of 18 holes either ocean or like through like the mangroves. Um, so getting out there, it was like, you, you go do the show in the morning, you take care of what you got to do early afternoon, then go play like a twilight round at Grand Park. It's awesome. All right. Uh, so the next question we have is from Anthony in NYC. He's got a question about doing uh, uh, basically the logistics of Zoom. Sure. Hey, Charlie. Anthony um, from Brooklyn, New York, at Stiano on Twitter. Um, thanks for joining us. I just had a sort of a, a behind the hood question. I know we see, uh, you know, 20 minutes of highly questionable or highly quarantined via Zoom every day. What are the logistics of the inability to do that for the Levitard show? I know all of us would love to see their, their faces, even if it was just Dan and Stu, but, and I'm sure it's beyond just, oh, it's three hours and it's harder to do, but I just wonder what the logistics of that would be. Or sure. What are the logistics you're running into to not be able to do that, I guess? Yeah. Love the Expos hat, by the way. Thank um, you. Uh, I, um, so it's just basically the difference between taped and live, right? Like where if you have a, um, like the, the stuff they're doing it through. And so HQ has a, as a, we started doing it on zoom, but it's, it's a little bit more of an advanced platform now because you're doing it through stuff that they have internally the SPN, but it's just the difference between, you know, setting up a time, you know, two hours, three hours in advance to record all of HQ and then pull that stuff back and edit. And you're maybe recording for, uh, like it depends on length of show, but let's say, let's say it is the, the half hour template, right? And you're doing like maybe 21, 30, maybe 22 minutes of content because you have eight minutes of ads. So you probably record for like 45 minutes ish and then chop that down. Um, so while there's you know time involved in that, it's like you, you have, you know, you can record it, you can take it, do, do whatever you want with it. As long as you have a, a, a system to play that back out 
that recorded piece of content, then you're good versus having a platform to do like streaming, like, you know, like, like have the, the radio cause the radio shows live always, um, you know, that, that gets into like the type of technology they use for live events. I don't know if they ever looked into that as a possibility, but I think what, you know, it, it, you'd have to go into each person's home and set that up. And that's kind of like the, the bummer of, of quarantine. It's or maybe not the bummer. It, it's, it's actually interesting. It, it, it's like a dividing line where if you are someone uh, that can figure out how to set up all the tech and produce it and do all that type of stuff, you're going to thrive in this sort of time because you, you can't have anyone else's assistance. You have to figure it all out on your own. And so I think that um, it's a bummer that you can't do the radio show that way in terms of streaming. Um, but that's kind of the, the, the dividing line. You'd have, you have to get high grade tech in each of their homes, you know, to even have the conversation about how you produce that, direct that, everything else. And as a quick follow-up, have there been any discussions of doing a, I don't know, half hour best of or an hour best of of what was done on Zoom? Or is that just too cost prohibitive and time prohibitive to even like put out for free? Probably cost prohibitive and time prohibitive only in this sense where it's like uh, the other part of that is that, um, you know, there are larger TV budgets than the radio. Like, like there is a budget associated with Levitard show radio, right? The, 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 the budget associated with Levitard TV simulcast is, is, you know, less expansive than what they have for like, you know, HQ around the horn PTI. So you, what you basically be asking, you'd be asking Lorenzo to take, to take, you know, three hours of content, like flip it around the afternoon and edit every single day. And, you know, God bless the man. I, I don't, I would not be able to do that. So I would certainly, you know, I, I don't think, I, I think it would it'd just be a really, really heavy lift every single day. I, I'm sure they've explored. I think they talked a little bit about trying to do like little clips or, or best of moments like that. But, um, you know, I don't know how far they got on that. Like, I, like my assumption, on all this stuff, because that's the other part of it is like, you have all these conversations that are happening, but they're so disjointed because you're not all in the office having them together. Right. So I'm not as in the loop on that type of stuff, but I'm assuming that there's some sort of logistical thing that prevented them from putting out video content. Otherwise they, they would be doing it, you know? All right. Thanks, Charlie. Much appreciated. Yeah. All right. Uh, our favorite politician, uh, the mayor of Cartersville, Georgia, uh, uh, Mayor Matt, uh, you are up next, my man. Hey, Charlie, good to see you again. Good seeing you again. I don't mean the last yeah. time we were, we were, you know, we were outside, we were, we were taking pictures all through Cartersville. It's good times. Absolutely. So the, actually you kind of led me into it. First one is kind of a favor. You took some pictures that day of Billy and I. Yeah. And I wonder if you still have them sitting on a phone somewhere that maybe you could send to me. I appreciate I think I that. I'm on on the phone. I'm shooting this on right now. I, I think cool. I have them on there. Yeah, I can look right. back and someone someone can DM me the the, the information, or whatever. I'll get them to you for sure. Okay, great. I'll do that. And then the second part is I don't know if you saw yesterday on Twitter. This is also going into the Wayback Machine in your time in Cartersville. I gave everybody on the crew hats, but I also gave a coffee mug to. I gave Billy a coffee mug to give to Allison on an earlier Zoom call. Uh, Billy kind of alluded to the fact that. He might have had it or Allison, it was obvious Alice didn't have it. You're the only person here individually that would can tell us, did Billy actually ever try to present that coffee mug to Allison? Did Allison reject it or did Billy just totally keep it for himself and give it to his parents? Oh, man. Uh, it's under so, Billy's desk. So it's, it's probably under Billy's desk. I can't speak for the whereabouts of that mug passed because obviously I came in from D.C. They came in from Miami. We were all in Atlanta. And so whatever happened with that mug past Atlanta, I'm not sure. I will say this. 
if it had to do with luggage, that's probably where the breakdown was because we had this one of the most hilarious. So like, I, I guess Billy and Allison, like were the, the people on the show that I've really been closest to, like since I, you know, started working for the show, people, I, I talked to them most often. And so, you know, it's just, you know, I love those two. They're amazing, but they're, the dynamic is, is hilarious. So we, the day we were supposed to fly out from the Super Bowl, uh, like we were at this hotel that Allison hated so much. And, uh, she, she, like we, we, we put, packed our luggage in the morning and we took, we took it down to like a little concierge area because we had to go do the show that day and we we're going to come back and grab it and leave. Right. So she goes down and I forget it was like either her or Billy, someone was supposed to grab the suitcase and they thought they grabbed it and went right. So we leave this hotel, we go all the way to the airport and Billy and I get out, we got our suitcases and Allison's like, where's my, this isn't my suitcase. Like, this is not the right suitcase. And just had like a meltdown. Like it was so, I mean, like totally understandable. We were at the end of a long trip. We've been working long hours, but had this like hilarious meltdown where I was like texting Billy, like, is this for real? Like what is going on right now? And they had to go all the way back to get the suitcase and come back. And we, we all laughed about it so much later, but it was, if it was a matter of transferring that mug and the pieces of luggage, maybe that's where the breakdown happened. I'm going to blame it on the big, the, the airport luggage fiasco. That is a very political answer. So uh, well done. You didn't really answer it, but that's okay. You, you that's, absolved yourself of any responsibility. That's how we do it around here. Yeah. I appreciate it, Charlie. <laughs> and that, that, ladies and gentlemen, is why he is climbing the ranks of <laughs> Eric Ridehome's production company, ESPN. Uh, just you name it, uh, Charlie Hume, uh, old money Charlie, as Levitard fans know him. Uh, is uh, is is going to be successful, and he's going to be he's going to own ESPN one day, or be you know he's going to be at the top of Disney's uh, corporate corporate ladder. Um, so uh, Charlie, that was all the questions that we uh, that we got in advance. Um, real quick, and I know we we've uh, we told you we'd have you out of here by eleven forty five. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we wanted to do like a quick lightning round, uh, just like sure. yes or no questions. Um, and I'm going to throw it to beat count, uh, for his first one, uh, because I had to ask Mikey C this question last night and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little scarred by the answer and the story that followed. Uh, so beat count, you are up my man. So Charlie, what is your top old money course and your top no money course that you played? Oh, Old money course and no money course. All right. So, um, I mean, I, so I, I've, I've played like Pine Valley. So like that, like Pine Valley is like the, you know, they consistently like rank the best course in, in, in the, you know, the world or at least the, you know, the United States. That, that's, that place is unbelievable. Just like, I mean, just a golf sanctuary. Um, but it's funny you say that that's the no money question because I played so many Muni courses with my little brother growing up that uh i almost have more of a fondness for like the, the low grade golf there was one over on the coast central california coast where we grew up called uh pacific grove muni pg muni one of the most beautiful municipal courses i've played in my entire life so i'd probably say that one that's my favorite of just like that anyone can play it for 10 bucks uh of, of, of that variety Okay, I totally meant to. Uh, that was not the scary question that I asked Mikey C. Uh, Bruce in sales, your question is the one that actually terrifies me. Real quick, go for it. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Uh, it's Bruce in sales. Um, so, yes or no, have you ever pooped your pants? Oh, have I ever pooped my pants? I mean, I've definitely pooped my pants somewhere along the line. If you have time for a quick story, I have a, I have a great 
pants pooping story for you. Oh, you, no. Do, do, okay. do I have time for a pants pooping story? If, if you have time for it, we have all the time in the world. All right. So this is my this is my favorite story in in uh, this is like a Mount Rushmore story. One of my top four favorite stories. So this is spring break my junior year. Uh, we uh, all, a bunch of buddies from Carolina. It was like all these guys in this fraternity I was in, a bunch of girls in the sorority we were friends with went on this cruise and it was like, it was like Cozumel and Cabo San, Cabo San Lucas, I think uh, something like that. Um, so we, because we booked in this large group, we had like, we got this like free, like happy hour of drinks, uh, like scheduled one day on the cruise. Uh, so we, uh, my best friend Davis and I, we, we, we go to this happy hour, all these sugary drinks, we get there late. So we're just like pounding these sugary drinks. So we go back to his room we like we have like a, a bottle of red wine each and then we, we go to dinner like we're, we're just mixing the worst type of alcohol right and we, and we go and like there's like this, this dance floor like a big like club dance floor thing right so we get split up there and so then the next morning i, I catch up and i'm like hey like like fun time last night how did it open up for you he's like dude i as soon as we got there i started feeling the worst pain in my stomach right and so this dance floor is at the 12th floor of the cruise ship and our, and our room was at the fifth floor. Right. So he's like, so I just like, I ran to the bathroom, this club bathroom is packed, line out the door. Couldn't go there. So I ran to the elevator. I'm trying to get down to our room. So mind you, this is a, a glass elevator right in the middle of the cruise ship that goes right down to the main entry place where everyone hangs out and everything. He was like, got to floor, floor 12 was good. Floor 11. I was good. Floor 10 started pooping my pants. And, oh, no. uh, <laughs> For for now, he's just like just pooping, just constantly just pooping all the way down to where it's like leaking oh out God. of his like pants on the ground. And so, doors open at five, and he, uh, he's, some girls are about to walk out the thing. They're like, "What happened?" He's like, "I think someone pooped their pants, ran off the thing, <laughs> took his pants off, threw them in the ocean, took his underwear off, threw them in the ocean, took his shoes, threw them in the ocean." Went back, took a shower, and went to bed. He's like, it's one of the most humiliating things that ever happened in my life. Wow. Uh, but I just like the visual. I, I, just, I wish I was one of the people that was in the main area watching him just poop his pants coming down a glass elevator. Uh, oh, uh, that's my, my God. It's my favorite pants pooping story. I think the glass elevator is what makes that story so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. All right. Uh, who else has got a lightning question for Charlie? I do. Gun to your head, Charlie. All right. Well, first off, I'm a really big Challenge Pod fan. The only episode of Total Madness that I've seen was the one where they had to get up on two wheels and look at the math problem to make the explosion happen. Whatever. I'm into y'all's podcast more. I appreciate that. Gun to your head. Is it a Bananas, Laurel, Josh Pod? Where are you going? You got to choose one. Laurel Pod. Always gonna say Laurel Pod. Laurel Pod. Laurel like put us on the map. Laurel stuck with us. Laurel retweets us all the time. I love Laurel. I I, I just respect like the, the type of competitor she is. She's she's an OG. She's 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 the first interview ever. So it'll always be a Laurel Pod. Fantastic, Morgan. I think you had a, uh, another challenge question. Uh, not another challenge question. I wanted to know. So the Redskins are going to change their name. What are they going to change it to? I mean, you know what a lot of people said is like, you could just change it to the Washington Americans. You're right there in DC and you wouldn't have to change any of the imagery. Now I imagine they will change the imagery, but if you wanted to do it in a way where you're like, they talk all this time about legitimately honoring native Americans. Like if you called yourself the, the Washington Americans, you know, I, I don't, I, I think ultimately they can't, they won't be able to do that because then it, it's like, well, you just, you were using the other name for all these years. It's clearly not, you're, you're not honoring them. Um, but you know, I, I, it'll probably be something, bland and you know vaguely associated with the political imagery of the area 
Uh, so, or it'll be something wild like the Wizards. Who knows? Great answer. Great answer. Who's got the next one? I got one. Ace on here. Charlie, uh, you touched on this relationship earlier, and I love it as well. So my question is, if you were going to be stranded on an island, and you only could pick one of these two people to be there with, Billy or Allison? Uh, oh, wow. I, I, <laughs> uh, I love them both so much. Um, I, I would probably I'd, I'd probably pick Billy because I think Billy and I have, have like, you know, you, you have different relationships with different people, right? Like, so Billy, I'm, I'm like in the trenches with often, like creating stuff, like working on stuff. Like Allison's role in the show is different. That doesn't mean I don't love her and her personality any less. It's just that I probably have spent like more hours doing things with Billy. And I feel like we could come up with like fun shit to do on this island. Uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to say I, I would do it with Billy. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Uh, uh, let's see. John from Miami. I think he joined us uh, finally. You got your technical difficulties worked out, John? Maybe not. All right. <laughs> Moving it along. <laughs> Sorry. I think, Anthony, you got, a, you got another question? Yeah, I got one more for you, uh, for you, Charlie. Do you think Allison is heartbroken that Billy got married and that's why she moved? No, no, no. I, I don't think ah. it's like that at all. I, I, think, I, think, I think Allison, I mean, you know, that's a true friendship, you know what I mean? And, and a true friendship in the way where it's up and it's down and it's, you know, but that's, that's a true, true friendship, yeah. Oh, their interaction is great. It's like brother and sister, but then every so often it's yeah. like, is it more than brother yeah. and sister? Where it's, like, it's, so. it's brother and sister, without okay. a doubt. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Charlie. All right, Charlie, I know uh, it is, we're running over our time here a little bit, man. We really appreciate uh, you sitting here and answering all these questions. Um, final, final question. Talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Same time, right? Same time, same yeah. place. Yeah. I'll, I'll grab the spot in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. right. I thought my car right. got there earlier. I was, I was really, I was really happy when that didn't happen. So yeah, it all, it all worked out. Well, it's, it's because of all of uh, it's the synergy of the universe, uh, uh, made sure your car didn't get hit. It's because you came on with us. So every time you come on with us, uh, your fortune grows. Just remember that. Okay. That's good. That's, that's a good thing to back pocket. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Charlie, thank you again. Everybody, uh, thank Charlie real quick. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. Y'all great to have me on. I uh, hope to do it again soon. See you later, bud. Thank you. See you tomorrow. He's so much better looking than I thought he would be. Oh my! Immediately, so immediately. Actually, you, you are so you guys. Why did you ask him that? God, Daniel. You are so thirsty. I love it. I love is there it. anybody on the show you got your pod series? This entire pod series is about Danielle oh, mm-hmm. getting all she's, of her her thirsty out. Using us. Yeah, Here's the thing. Eric's the recording. So this is the opening of the podcast. Oh, he doesn't even listen. She doesn't even listen to the show. Derek just tells her what to like type out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.